0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله um, we've reached our next lesson of the tafsir of the short surahs of the Quran cause, And today, Alhamdulillah, we're moving on to surah al-humazah ta'ala We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to make it a beneficial lesson for all of us Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen So, following on from the previous surah Surah al-Asr, Surah al-Takathur, Surah al-Qari'ah We move on today to surah al-humazah Which is Translated as the backbiter or the slanderer. The backbiter or the slanderer. Allah Azza wa Jal he starts off the surah and he says kulli First and foremost we look at the word wail. And this word comes up in many places of the Quran. For example, Wailu And in many places of the Quran you will find the word whale is used what does this word whale mean usually we translate it as woe woe to those who reject woe to those who belied the messengers woe to every backbiter slanderer woe to them the word whale means a punishment it refers to azab. or it can mean destruction be to them or it could mean disgrace right this is in terms of you know, synonyms, this is what woe. What we mean by woe to them. Wail for every backbiter. Likulli means for everyone, right? For every backbiter or slanderer. So, wail means a punishment unto them, destruction unto them, disgrace unto them. This is what this word wail means. The wail is also a word for one of the valleys in Jahannam. For a valley that is found in Jahannam, this is also one of um, its names, meaning uh whale is a a name sorry of one of the valleys in jahannam right so it could be that this is what they will receive this valley in jahannam Wallahu a'lam, right all of them are possible or plausible meanings um for when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word whale and he obviously directs it at the 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 the, the, the criminals or the, the sinful and the disbelievers and so forth in this case it's referring to to major sinners to major sinners and we will get into what's meant by humaza and lumaza So likulli Woe to them means either destruction um, Disgrace Punishment Torment Or it could be referring to that, that valley in Jahannam The word wail Is used as a threat For whoever has the following characteristics So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He uses as a, as a threat Right and also as a lesson for those, of us, for those of us who are now reading this surah And various other surahs wherein this word is found This is used as a as a lesson and, and as a threat for us So that we do not become of those people Whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying Wail to them or Wail for them Right, so this is used as a threat To any person who has this following characteristics Wail to them Ibn Abbas anhu ma He said They are referring to Al Humaza and Lumazah he says, they are Al bil Namima, Al Mufsiduna Al 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 Bura'a'ul Anat. He says, those are, or they are those who go about slandering Masha'una bil Namima. They are those who walk around with Namima. They go around with slander. Or Namima is actually slightly different to slander. Namima is malicious gossip. Where people go around spreading stories about each other. This is actually Namima. It's slightly different to slander, and we'll get into this later on. The difference between Namima and Ghiba and Bhutan, which is slander. But this was Ibn Abbas, how he explained this ayah. Who are these people who Allah is saying wail to? They are those who walk around with Namima. They spread slander, they spread gossip about each other have you heard about this one he said this have you heard about that one he said he he, he mentioned this have you heard about this one he had this to say so they always spreading uh, a slander amongst the, uh, brothers for example amongst people amongst the family they are always going around spreading rumors and creating you know um tension creating issues subhanallah this is the namam the person who goes around spreading namima al mufsiduna bayna al ahibba causing mischief between friends, in order to separate them. Subhanallah. So this a person, he, as we said, he moves around, looking to cause issues, looking to cause friction, to cause facade, corruption or mischief, between ahibbah, people who love each other, people, family or friends. And desiring to lead the innocent into wrong action. Right, this is the intention. So they move around, with this intention. This is how Ibn Abbas explained this ayah. And the same description was given by Rasulullah sallallahu in hadith. Where he spoke about the worst of creation. He mentions in the hadith the best of creation. He gives them some characteristics. And then he mentions the worst of creation. And then this is how he mentioned them. With this exact wording. With this exact wording this is how he mentioned them. And this hadith is in Adab al-Mufrad. Classed as Hassan by sheik al-Bani rahimahullah. Then we have various other opinions about humaza and lumaza What is meant by these words? So we know woe unto them, destruction, torment, disgrace unto them But what is, who are they? Who who is al-humaza and who is al-lumaza? Who is a person of humaza and al-lumaza? So we've seen one interpretation of Ibn Abbas He mentions that they are these people who walk around with malicious gossip causing mischief between people and so forth But more specifically what is humaza and what is lumaza? Ibn Abbas again he says al-humaza is al qattat, which means a slanderer. al qattat is a slanderer. So he says humaza refers to specifically to a, a slanderer. And lumaza is al-ayyab which is a fault finder or a hypocritical person. Ayyab meaning someone who looks for ayyab all the time. And ayyab is a fault. Right? And ayyab is we all have our faults. We all have uyub. But an ayab is someone who walks around and looks around and he's always trying to find fault with 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 people with this one and then with that one and his hypocritical meaning. He finds faults out of nowhere. He finds faults out of small things and he makes it into big things. This is an ayab. This is what Ibn Abbas said is alumaza. Al Humaza and Alumaza. So Pay attention and we will see that there are various opinions on humaza and lumaza. Right, some said it means the same thing. Some ulama said it means one thing, it's it's a slanderer, backbiting and so forth. Other ulama said no, it has to have different meanings. Like Sheikh Ibn Huthaymin he said and explained and he said, when similar words, synonyms are used together like this, then they must each have their own meaning. The Quran won't use two words that mean the same thing. You know, two different words that mean the same thing except that they will have specific meanings for each other. So there will be a slight difference between them. So, like this Al Humaza, he says, is Al is a slanderer. And then Ayyab is Al is a person who's a fault finder. In another narration, he said, Al Humaza is Al the person of Ghiba. The person of Ghiba, the muhtab, the person who is constantly backbiting. Right? So, in one narration he says, Humaza is a qataat, a, a slanderer. In another narration he said, Humaza is a muhtab, meaning a backbiter. This is why right in the beginning I said, the meaning of the surah is, Surah al-Humaza means the backbiter or the slanderer, depending on which interpretation you know you, you give to the word Humaza. It could mean a, a slanderer, it could also mean a, a backbiter. And he said, Humaza and Lumaza means tul Lumaza means one who reviles and disgraces others It refers to a person who reviles and disgraces and maligns others Speaks bad about people all the time This is basically what these two words are referring to Others said like Mujahid, Ata, al Hassan, and others They said Al-Humaza is one who defames and maligns someone in their face In front of them, in person Right in the company. He, he defames them. Speaks bad about insults them. While al Lumaza is one who backbites. Backbiting can't take place in front of the person. It has to take place behind their back when they're not present. So he's one who backbites. Maligns and defames someone behind their back in their absence. So this is another difference that certain ulama have given. These are classical scholars of tafsir. They have said al-humazah is the one who defames others, maligns others insults others in their presence in front of them, in their face so they're not shy, they're not they don't really could say care they insult you in your face whereas al is the one who does it behind your back behind people's backs meaning backbiting right, when they're not present now they speak about them in a bad way now they mention their faults now they mention or they become hypocritical of them, and so forth. This is Al-Lumazah. Al-Muqatil again said the exact opposite. Meaning, he said the opposite which is Al-Humazah is the one who does it behind your back and Al-Lumazah in front of your face. So as we said, this is just a difference in their interpretations. They are both synonyms to each other in reality, but there must be a specific difference. So whichever one you go with, both is ultimately correct. Ibn Zayd rahimahullah, he said al humaza is one who reviles or disgraces someone with their hand and hits them. So he's someone who reviles with the hand, physical. Whereas al humaza is one who reviles or disgraces someone with his tongue and criticizes him. Another difference, subhanallah, another difference is mentioned here. And that is Humaza is the one who might revile you physically or disgrace somebody physically with their hand either by hitting them or shoving them or pulling them or grabbing them getting physical this is humaza but it's an insult it's a disgrace it's a way that they are or even somebody who's you know has some presence he stands in front of you and he intimidates you physically this is humaza whereas lumaza is the one who reviles or disgraces you with his tongue he curses he throws abuse the way he speaks is abusive the way he speaks is rude It's abrupt. It's Subhanallah. This is Lumaza according to Ibn Zaid. Mujahid on the other hand said, Al-Humaza is is with the hand and the eye, and Lumaza is with the tongue. Again, slight differences. Al-Humaza is with the hand. So as we explained, he could be shoving you, hitting you, slapping you, and with the eyes. Meaning, like the person who winks. You know, somebody, um, you're in each other's presence, and behind one brother's back, you, you're winking to another brother as if to indicate that we're mocking this brother. This is a joke. Or you, you, you could be, you know, showing, uh, uh, looking with your eyes and, and pointing with your eyes to other people in the room, showing that we are mocking a fellow brother and so forth. This is humaza. It's with the eye or with the hand. And Alumaza is with the tongue, as we explained earlier. Al-thawri, Sufyan al-Thawri rahimahullah He said Humaza is with the tongue And al-Lumaza is with the eye Slightly opposite to what Mujahid said Humaza is with the tongue Abusive And Lumaza is with the eye You know when you throw your eye around And you wink and you so forth Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah And Sheikh Musa'id al-Tayyar hafizahullah, One of the contemporary great scholars of Tafsir And the sciences of, of Ulum al-Qur'an He said Or well, they said Humaza is by action and lumaza is by speech So as we mentioned right previously we gave a lot of difference of opinions Whether the one is with the eye the tongue and so forth If we go with this opinion for example, because at the end of the day, they're still synonyms to one another Right, so we're not saying the one is wrong or the one is right But not to get too confused But we're showing you the various opinions and there are much more opinions out there as well Right, and showing you the various differences that the scholars had regarding this ayah alone. What's meant by humaza and lumaza? They differed greatly. Some said it's what happens in front of you, what happens behind your back. That's lumaza, and this is humaza. Some said it is with the hand, one with the eye. Some said the hand and the eye together. The others with the tongue, and so forth. These two ulama, they said, humaza is by action, and lumaza is by speech. So humaza is by by action. And Lumaza is by speech. Right? And to, to if we take this opinion, for example, not to say the others are wrong. Not to say this is the best opinion. But if we took this opinion, it simplifies the matter. It simplifies the matter. Lumaza is by action, meaning any physical action. Whether it's pointing, whether it's looking with the eyes, whether it's with your head, you 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 know you there's a brother than you indicating behind his back to his head as if uh, or with the eyebrows or with your two hands behind his back. And various things you can do You know, you can nudge someone To indicate Listen to this brother or mocking him and so forth This is all types of humaza Because it's done To fault find or to mock or malign or defame or insult others Whereas al is by speech The tongue It's when you malign someone with your, with your speech Whether it's in front of them or behind their back One is ghiba, one is, one is buhtan At the end, it could be namima as well The point is, lumaza is with speech. That's lumaza. So humaza is by action, whether it's your hands, your head, your winking, whatever. Lumaza is by speech. Whatever you said about somebody, if it's to their face, if it's behind their back, if it's spreading gossip, either way it's by speech. All of this is haram. All of this is haram. Whichever one you go with, humaza and lumaza and speech and this and that, all of these that we mentioned is haram. And Allah says, woe to them. The people who do these actions, the humaza and the lumaza So none of the opinions we mentioned are wrong, they're all correct They're all correct in various ways In the way, depending how we look at it, how we think of it They are all correct Understand? They are all correct But we have to try to simplify, so let's go with this and say humaza is action, lumaza is speech In front of you, behind your back, whichever way it's done If the intention is to mock, to scoff, to malign, to defame, to insult it's humaza and it's lumaza. Whether it's by action or by speech, it's haram. And Allah says, woe unto those people, punishment, destruction, disgrace, or there's a valley in Jahannam for them. And may Allah protect us, Ameen. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala he said, wa minhum yalmizuka. The word, yalmizuka, is from lumaza, lamz. It's from lumaza. Write similar word, yalmizuka, sadaqat. There are those who are critical of your distribution of, of alms. أو النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فإن أعطوا منها رضوا وإلا ميعطوا منها إذا if هم يسخطون إذا أعIVEN them إذا please and إذا إذا they are enraged what do they do they criticize they criticize right hence this 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 view of these two ulama they said that lambs is by speech because they criticize they do they do lambs يالميزوكا they criticize you right so it's lambs hence it's speech this is how they came to this conclusion that lambs or lumaza is by by speech whereas Hams which is ha- from humaza is by action and this includes facial expressions right as we said winking of the eyes facial expressions could be in various things right you can use your eyebrows you can put your mouth in various ways you can do so many things right Hand gestures again like we said you, people do this behind people's backs for example uh, if it's an innocent joke and it's not meant to defame and the person, you know he, he, You tell him about it and he, he eventually laughs about it And you know that it's not going to cause any issues for certain Then perhaps it's permissible and Allah knows best But the moment that that person doesn't know or that he, it's being done in such a way that it's, it's Genuinely to mock and to scoff Then it's best to stay away because we can easily fall into haram Pointing, you know, sticking out one's tongue for example this would fall under hams because it's an action, it's not speech. Right? And this applies whether the person is present or not. This is, should be, all of this should be avoided. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hammazim bin ameem. And do not obey the despicable vain oath taker. This is the hamaz. Hammaz from, from humaza or from hams. Hammaz. Do not obey the uh, despicable vain oath taker, slanderer, gossiper. Slanderer, gossip monger. This is the hamaz. Sorry, this is where the hammaz here yeah, is the the slanderer. The slanderer. Right? The Arabic is upside down. It should be the other way around. That is a mistake over there. So this is why the translation is, the translation is correct, but the Arabic should be the other way around. That's the correct recitation of the ayat. So Allah says, do not obey the despicable, Vain awtika halafin maheen hammazin the slanderer hamz the slanderer Mashain bin Amin who walks around as a gossip monger with namima namim some say that this was revealed regarding Al al-walid ibn mughirah who used to backbite the prophet sallallahu alaihi and then defame and he'll abuse at him in front of him so behind the prophet's back he would backbite speak bad about him he was one of the main ones that said the Prophet is a sahir. The story of Al Walid is an amazing story. SubhanAllah, we cover it in the Seerah lessons, but very briefly, Al Walid was one of the leaders of the Quraysh. And in the early days of the Prophet when he gave da'wah in open, the Quraysh came to him and they went to Abu Talib to try to stop his, his nephew and so forth. One day, Walid sits with the Prophet and he listens to the Quran. And the Quran affects him. And Abu Jahl, another leader of the Quraysh, hears about this, goes to Walid and says, your people are collecting money for you. He says, why? He says, because we heard you went to Muhammad and that you listened to him, his recitation and so forth. So Walid says, don't they know that I'm the most of the most wealthy of them? And so um, Abu Jahl says, just say something to them that will make them understand and know that you dislike whatever the Prophet has said and that you disagree with it. That you dislike it and that you you don't agree with it. So Ali said, What should I say about it? What should I say about it? Muhammad said, What am I going to say about it? He said, I am the most knowledgeable when it comes to poetry. The composition of poetry, the writing of poetry, the recitation of poetry, nobody is more knowledgeable of it than I am. And even the poetry of the jinn, he says, nobody is more knowledgeable about it than I am. And then he said, that speech that Muhammad has come with, is speech of, it's, it's filled with sweetness, halawa. And it's filled with grace. And it has the upper hand, and nothing has the upper hand over it. It will overcome, and it will never be overcome. And it will destroy anything that's below it. And he says, the top of it is nourishing and the bottom is copious and various things he said about the Qur'an. And so Abu Jahl is sitting there and he says to him, as if dumbfounded, he says, well, your people's not going to be happy about that. That's not something you can say. And so Walid says, you know, leave me. Let me think. ufakir, Let me think. And he thinks. And he spends time thinking until he comes out and he says, hu sihru yu'thar. That the Quran is nothing but ancient magic, magic of the ancient people. And then Allah Azza wa revealed ayat in Surah Muddathir: "Tharni wa man Wahida, read the ayat. Subhanallah. Allah said to the Prophet, "Leave him to me, the one who created him all by myself. I gave him wealth in abundance and children. That's always by his side. I made this life easy for him, and yet he's hungry for more." No, no, no. indeed he is extremely stubborn with our revelation. and I will make his fate unbearable. indeed he contemplated. he contemplated allah says and he determined. he determined something evil about the quran. فقُتِلَ كيف let him be condemned. May he be condemned for what an evil thing he determined about the Quran. ثم كيفَ قَدَرَ May he be condemned even more for what an evil thing he determined about the Quran. ثم Allah says. Then he recontemplated, out of frustration. He knew he was battling. He knew what he heard was the best of speech. It was pure. It was a revelation. It's not poetry. It's perfect from start to finish. He recontemplated out of frustration. But he's battling with either accepting the haqq and the truth and, or deserting his people. And or, or, either accepting the truth and deserting his people or rejecting the truth and staying with his people. ثُمَّ نَظَرْ ثُمَّ عَبَسَ basar What did he choose? Allah says then he frowned. عَبَسَ basar He frowned. ثُمَّ wa وَاسْتَكْبَرْ and then he turned away arrogantly, out of pride. Subhanallah, ila akhir ayat This is Walid ibn mughira And when they then eventually tried to stop the Prophet Allah when the time of hajj came, they said, what are we going to do? The hujjaj are coming. They know the Prophet ﷺ as al amin Walid ibn al-Mughira decided, let's call him a sahir. Because as Allah then says in the next ayat, فَقَالَ إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ يؤثر. What did he have to say after he turned away out of arrogance? He said, this book is nothing, or these words are nothing but the magic of the ancients. Inhada illa bashar. It's nothing but the speech of, of people. So uslihi saqar, Allah said, we will burn him in hellfire. So Waleed then decides, just call Muhammad a sahir, a magician. So some ulama say that this surah, this ayat was revealed for him. Because this is what he used to do. Back by Prophet And then in front of his face, hurl abuse at him. Defame him. This was the arrogant Al-Walid ibn Mughira. And he, of course, died as a disbeliever. um, Wallahu musta'an. Some say it was revealed regarding Al-Akhnas ibn Sharik, who also used to defame and criticize people in their presence and behind their backs. Some mention other names of other people that they say it was revealed regarding. The correct view is that it applies Generally to all who have these characteristics, it's not specifically related to any of them Even if it was revealed regarding one of them, even if it was the case Ultimately The rule is Even if it was revealed specifically, the generality will stand and remain The generality in this case will stand and remain Hence it applies to anybody who who has these Characteristics of Humaza and Lumaza as we explained in detail what is humaza what is lumaza and so forth wallahu Musta'an. so before we move on what is backbiting and slander i think it's very important just to touch on this because these are major issues that are also rampant the prophet ﷺ gave us a clear definition of backbiting where he said to his sahaba do you know what backbiting is they said allah and the messenger knows best and the prophet said is Dhikru, that you say or utter something about your brother that he dislikes. That you say or utter something about your brother that he dislikes. So the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, what if what I say about my brother is true? What if I say the truth? He is such and such a person. He really does such and such a thing. He really is this way. So it's not, I'm not lying. And this is, to this day, we find people making the same excuse. You know the Sahaba did make an excuse, they were asking. But today we find the same excuse. But we just, we're only saying the truth. People say, hey, look, don't, don't backbite. Yeah, well, it's just the truth. Exactly. It is the truth, but it's still backbiting. The Prophet gave the response and he said, if it is true, then you have backbitten about him. Because if it's not true, فَقَدْ بَهَتَّهُ then what you have told about him is a great lie, meaning you have slandered him. It's buhtan. It's no longer Riba, It's now buhtan. So if what you said about your brother is true behind his back, you're speaking something that he would dislike, anything that would upset him, that he would not be happy with, it's it's riba. If it's true, it's riba. But if it's not true, it's not riba anymore, it's worse than riba, it's buhtan, it's a slander upon him. It's a slander upon him. And this is something even worse than riba. Allah Musta'an. So important to know the the difference. Backbiting is where you, sl- you speak bad about someone behind their back, but what you are saying is the truth. Slander is where you speak about people behind their back, but but or it could even be in their presence, but what you are saying is untrue. You are spreading false rumors about them. This is buhdan, this is slander. Then we have something called namima. Namima is malicious gossip. That's what we touched on earlier. Al Mashauna bin Namima. Ibn Abbas said in the hadith of the Prophet, the worst of people, Al-Mashya'una those who walk around with Namima. What's Namima? Namima is malicious gossip, which means telling one person what another said in order to cause trouble between them. What we would call generally a fatan, a person who makes fitna. The real word is a Namam. He's a Namam. A Namam is a person who walks around with, with Namima. He walks around gossiping about people, spreading stories and rumors about people to create trouble between them so that this one can say something about him, so you go to him and say you know what that one said about this, you know what this one said about that, you know what this one had to say now all of a sudden, he came to you and said something about Fulan now you have something bad to say about Fulan and then he goes to Fulan and says something bad about another person and now that Fulan has something bad to say about that person, so this is the Namam. he goes around and he Spreads gossip whether it's true or not, but he's spreading tales, right? He's spreading these tales and gossip about people in order to create t- trouble between them. So, all of a sudden, there was peace, there was harmony, there was brotherhood. Now, this one has a problem with that one, that one has a problem with this one, and this one has a. Oh, everybody has a problem with one brother because we all spread tales about this brother. This is Namimah and this is a major sin That must be avoided Wallahu musta'an Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He said Insulting a Muslim is an evil action It's fusuq It's a fisk. It's a sin It's a major sin And fighting him is disbelief Right? In another hadith he said Do not envy one another Do not artificially inflate prices Look at this hadith How he advises us Regarding You know brotherhood and so forth And how to be towards each other And how not to be towards each other He says do not envy one another. Do not artificially inflate prices. Do not hate one another. Do not turn away from one another. Do not undercut one another. Be slaves of Allah. Brothers. Slaves of Allah as, a bro- as brothers. The Muslim is, not, is the brother of his fellow Muslim. The Muslim is the brother of his fellow Muslim. He does not wrong him. He does not let him down or despise him. At taqwa ha huna, and he pointed to his chest three times. Taqwa is here. Taqwa is here. Taqwa is here. It's not what you show the people. Your taqwa is in your heart. It is sufficient evil for a man to despise his Muslim his Muslim brother. The whole of a Muslim is sacred to another Muslim. His blood, his wealth, and his honor. Subhanallah. Look at the hadith. There's no time to go into the details of the hadith and to explain the hadith in great detail. We're just mentioning this for extra benefit as it is related to the topic. Ibn Abbas, he said that Rasulullah he passed by two graves and he said, they are being punished, but they are not being punished for anything that was difficult to avoid. This is a very powerful point. They are not being punished for anything that was difficult to avoid. Meaning that what they are being punished for is avoidable. We can stay away from it if we try. One of them used to walk about Spreading malicious gossip namima one of the reasons for the punishment in the grave is namima and this proves It's a major sin. This is enough as a proof that this is a major sin So one of the reasons the person gets punished in the grave we know is because of namima He walks around as we explained spreading gossip about people spreading rumors about people to create You know this to break down the brotherhood to create issues and to create uh, problems and so forth on the other hand and this is again a nasiha for all of us. Firstly, to stay away from this. And secondly, to be the opposite of the Namam. To be the one who brings people together. To make sulh. The person who can create sulh is, is the opposite. So that's a major sin, the opposite. It's a major reward. It's a major jihad. It's a major great deed. Let's be of those people, the musliheen, as opposed to being of the people of Namima. And the second person who was being punished was a person who did not avoid getting urine on himself when he urinated right? He didn't take care in the bathroom and so forth Akhir al hadith. We move on to the next ayah That ayah took us, subhanallah, a long time But alhamdulillah there's a lot of powerful lessons and benefit in there Especially in today's society So we move on Allah Azza wa Jalla says jama' wa The one who amasses wealth greedily and counts it repeatedly Another one of these characteristics Is that this person he amasses wealth out of greed and he counts it repeatedly These are also the people that Allah is saying, woe unto them Wail unto them Ibn Kathir Rahimallah explained and he said He gathers up his wealth Piling some of it on top of the rest And he counts it up And this is similar to what Allah says He collects wealth and he hides it He collects wealth and he hides it Muhammad Ibn Kaab said Regarding this ayah Jama'a ma'la his wealth occupies his time in the day Going from this to that Then when the night time comes He sleeps like a rotting corpse Subhanallah This is meaning what? This is his only concern This is what this uh, Mufassir is saying That This is his concern During the day He's only worried about his money Right That That's what, that's his whole day spent Either Earning more money Counting his money Worried about his money Thinking about ways to earn more money Going from this way to that way, that's his concern. When the night time comes, he sleeps like a rotting corpse, without any, you know, worship, without standing up in the sake of Allah. No, he sleeps like a dead person. For the next thing, the next morning, money. That's his, that's his focus. Ibn Uthaymi Allah explains this ayah and he says, "From his evil ways is that he gathers up wealth but does not give to others. That's it. He's only concerned about more and more and not worried about giving. He's a stingy person." Who never gives? A greedy, stingy person who never gives. The word wa'addada wa'addada jam'a malan means he collects and he gathers wealth. Wa'addada means and he's always counting it. He's always counting his money, right? He often counts his money, constantly going back and forth, checking how much he has. Constantly checking. What's the bank balance? Late in the day, just check the bank balance. Late in the day, just check how much is in the safe. Check again how much is in the safe. Making sure nobody's touched it. He knows. His money is safe in the bank. It's safe in his safe. Nobody's been there. But he to constantly check Check again. Always worried about his wealth. Always worried about his money. This is because of his, his extreme love and desire for wealth. And the word here is used in an emphatic form. وَعَدَّدَ dada is used. Is This is an emphatic form of the verb. dada means... Always counting, repeatedly counting, seeking reassurance from his wealth. Subhanallah. Some ulema said this refers to when a person amasses his wealth and stores it away for emergencies or calamities that might happen. This is mentioned in a number of the books. That some said this is when people store their wealth and amass their wealth, keeping it for the future in in case of emergency, in case something happens. This is what they interpreted this ayah to mean. But Ibn Nuthaymin says that this is far-fetched. Because he says that this is not something that's blameworthy. Yani if a person, on condition a person, fulfills his wajibat of his wealth. For example, he pays his zakah, he helps the masakeen, gives his sadaqah here and there, he provides for his family, nafaqah his wealth and looks after his children and so forth. He, what he's supposed to do, he does with his wealth, and then he keeps a portion for in case something were to happen. Ibn Tayyum says there's nothing blameworthy regarding this. So why would Allah say Woe to a person like this Hence he says This is something that is a bit far-fetched This opinion over here Right the problem is When the money is his main concern Always going back to check on it Only worrying about that That's the only thing that he he's, You know that that His main goal in life is his money And his main concern and worry in life is How do I amass more money Or check my money And this is his, his worry This is the person who is um, Frowned upon by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala As we explained but not the person who might store some for the for, for the for the future or for some emergency. Then Allah says, "Yahsabu anna malahu This person he thinks that his wealth will make them will make him immortal. They think that their wealth will make them immortal. Meaning, he thinks that gathering wealth will make him last forever in this dunya. They think that their money will extend their life. The more they have, the the longer they will live. And this can take on so many meanings. You know, so many meanings. Perhaps if I have more, I can live a better lifestyle and I will live a longer life. Perhaps if I have more, I can invest in a better um, medical aid and get better doctors and I will have a longer life. But it can take on so many forms. If you think of the way Allah is saying this, right? Not to say that if you have more that you can't get the best treatment. No. Again, the concern is this is, this is your per- the person's main concern. And it's all about amassing more money and thinking that his money might make him immortal, might grant him a longer life, and so forth. It potentially could mean what we said. could potentially mean um, different that this is just the mindset that they have. That the more they have, the longer they will live. The more they have, the, more, the longer that they will live. Shaykh Ibn Usaymin he explained and he said, they think they will remain forever due to their wealth. And I think this is more a plausible explanation. They think they will remain forever due to their wealth They think because they have a large bank balance And a lot of cash on hand when they're safe and so forth That they're not going to die They think they will be there forever With their strength, with their wealth, with their lifestyle and so forth And he says this could either be physically As we mentioned Or by remembrance He says that the life of a man is not just in this dunya But it's also what happens after he dies So they think because of their wealth they will be remembered by people that because of their status, that they, the way they lived they were popular, they had this type of lifestyle they had so much money, they were known for whatever and this is why they will be remembered so this could potentially be also be, what the sheikh is saying is this could potentially also be why or, or, or what, what this ayah is referring to that it will, it will give them immortality, meaning they will always be spoken about so they will think that they are leaving this great reputation behind But the reality is, it's most likely the opposite for these people. Because these are the people who amass their wealth out of greed, out of more and more and more, and only worried and, and, and loving their wealth. They are not those who give. So how will they be remembered? They are only remembered for the wrong reasons. They are only going to be remembered for the wrong reasons people will know them to be greedy, and stingy, and arrogant, and so forth. So this is how they are, are, are fooled by their thoughts and that's why Allah Azza wa says Kalla Not at all It's not how they think Right, this word Kalla means Radia which means a deterrent or which basically means Nay No, not at all Referring to what, the, what they thought they, th- they thought that their wealth will grant immortality Whether it's in this world or by remembrance The answer is Kalla Oh no definitely not, not at all, nay no. it's not like they think what will actually happen that's that's the reality it's not the way they think kalla, no ways that's the reality so either kalla could mean what we said of the, you know not at all, or it could mean haqqan, right, and both of this is correct haqqan again refers to the next part meaning Truly or indeed, they will be Nayumbadan Nafil Hutama. Both of them are correct, either way you look at it. So, Kalla refers to what they said, it's not the way you think. Or it could be Kalla refers to what's coming up next. Truly, Nayumbadan Nafil Hutama, this person will be certainly tossed into the crusher. Al Hutama is the crusher. Okay? The reality is that his wealth will not make him immortal. Nor will it cause him to be remembered. Rather, he will be forgotten and his remembrance will be lost. In fact, he may even be remembered in an evil way due to him not spending of that which Allah obligated upon him. And this is as we said, it's not going to cause him to be immortal. When his time is to go, it's, it's time no wealth can keep you alive. No wealth can, can save your life. Ultimately, if Allah's decree is there that it's time to go, it's time to go. nor will it cause him to be remembered. How many wealthy people have come and gone? How many actors passed away not too long ago? They've forgotten. Long gone. And yet people see them around and see their faces on social See them today, you forget about them the next day. Gone. Nobody's. It's just them and Allah now. It's just them and the grave. Many people. Wealthy. Who remembers them for their wealth? Very, very few people. It's only those people who gave a lot of sadaqah who were really charitable and this is how they will be remembered by the people who they provided for, the masakeen who benefited from them. These people will pray for them endlessly. But these people that we are speaking about, of the people of greed, it may even be that they are remembered, remembered in an evil way as we said, knowing for the stinginess and so forth. Allah then says, لا في كلا means, it's not how they thought, no ways, the reality is They will be thrown into the crusher. And again we see how Allah uses emphatic speech in the statement over here. We showed this in previous surahs as well. How Allah uses emphatic speech. This is another powerful example. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says لا ينبذلنا, لا ينبذلنا. In this there is three ways Allah has emphasized the statement. Number one that we can see is the the Lamb. Right, the Lamb la That lamb is used for emphasis. Then we have the noon at the end, which is known as noon of tawkeel, the noon of emphasis. La Two ways Allah has emphasized this word, and thirdly there's a hidden qasam in this sur, in this statement. It actually means wallahi. La fil that's the that's the actual meaning of the ayah, but the qasam is lift out. The, wall- the Wallahi part is left out, but it's understood according to the Arabic language, as stated by Sheikh Ibn Taymin, as well as Sheikh Muhammad Al-Amin al have mercy on them both. So this means, by Allah, most definitely and certainly, they will be thrown into the crusher. That's how we, that's the, the, the correct way to translate it. By Allah, that's emphasis. They will definitely, most certainly, the lamb and the noon, be thrown into the crusher. And this of course is used, emphasized, why? To show the importance and greatness and severity of the matter. It's not a minor thing, it's a major thing. What is that will be thrown into the hutama? What's going to be thrown in? Is it the person himself, the, this evil person himself, or his wealth? Some say it's the one, the other, some say it's both. The answer is both. And in one of the qiraat of Mujahid and Hassan, they recited this ayah as لَيُنْبَذَانِّ Not Layum Badan. Meaning This is a dual form of the word تَثْنِيَ yani It's in dual form Referring to two things The person and his wealth Bo- Both will be thrown into the The Hutama What is the Hutama? al Hutama is The fire of hell Or the fire of Allah More accurately It's the fire of Allah It is one of the names of Jahannam it's one of the names of Jahannam. Where does this word... what, what, what does? Why do we say it's called the Crusher? The translation says the Crusher, Al-Hutama. But yet it's one of the names of Jahannam. Right? But it's referred to specifically... This name refers to the the Crusher. Because the word Hatama or Tahattama, which is where Hutama comes from, the root letters is Tahattama or Hatama, it means to crush. To break things into pieces and, and fragment, piece, pieces, fragments. That's what tahattama means or hatama means. It means to to crush things, to break things down into small pieces, into fragments. Hence al-hutama is the thing that does tahattama. It, it does, um, it's it's the crusher. You understand? It's the one thing that crushes every Whatever is thrown into it is crushed completely into small pieces. This is Al-Hutama. It's one of the names of Jahannam and it's the fire of Allah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And what will make you realize what the crusher is? What is the crusher? Right? And as we know, when Allah uses this type of speech, الحutama, this type of speech we find in previous surahs as well. القارعة, right? Allah uses this to highlight again to show importance and greatness to the issue to make the to show that this is something important and something uh, uh, of importance you need to know what the hutama is what's going to help you know what it is Allah then tells us it is Allah's kindled fire that's why we said it's Allah's fire because Allah says it's his fire it's Allah's fire which is muqadah which means it's kindled it's ignited. Imam al-Qurtubi, he explained this and he said, that which has been kindled or ignited for 1,000 years, then 1,000 years and another 1,000 years, it does not dampen and Allah prepared it for the sinners. That's how he mentioned this ayah. Right, it has been kindled or ignited for 1,000, it's been burning for 1,000 years. In a hadith, it says, the fire was stoked for 1,000 years until, until it became red. Then it was stoked for a thousand years until it turned white then it was stoked kindled stoked same thing for a thousand years until it turned black and it is intensely black although the hadith is weak according to Sheikh albani rahimahullah but it is muqada it's a kindled fire it's been stoked it's been burning for a long time it's extremely hot according to the weak hadith the color has changed over time it's now intensely black allah azza wa jal knows best whether um, that is accurate or not as the hadith is weak Sheikh ibn Allah says, Allah attributed this fire to himself. Allāh, the fire of Allah, which is kindled. Meaning, he will punish in this fire those who are deserved of punishment. It's Allah's, this fire belongs to him. And Allah will put people in there and punish them those who are deserved of it. It is a deserved punishment and not oppression. It's not an oppression, it's Allah's fire. It's the punishment of Allah, there is no zulm, no oppression, it's only justice. Only people will be punished in there are those who deserve to be punished in there, May Allah protect us. He also mentioned a point and he said, ponder these words, al-hutama, humaza, lumaza. All of them are on the same scale in Arabic. So we got to, in the beginning, humaza and lumaza. Then Allah carries on and he says, he speaks about al-hutama, la fil-hutama, they will be thrown into Tossed into Al Hutama. But yet Al Hutama is on the same scale as Humaza and Lumaza in Arabic. If you look at it, the first one has a Dhamma, Hu and Hu and Lu. Then there's a Ma or an A sound, like Ta, Ma, and the Sma. And then again, Fathah in the next letter as well. Hu, Ta, Ma, Hu, and so forth, right? For those who understand or have been through a little bit of Arabic, you know about the scales in Arabic. Then the same scale, therefore, the punishment is deserved of the action. The action is al-humazah and lumazah and they will be deserved of al Hutama. He derived this as well from the surah and he says even in muqada muqadah similarly. Similar scale and so forth. Allah knows best. Then Allah says ala which rages over the hearts. This fire which has been stoked and kindled it rages over the hearts. As Ibn of says that fire reaches their hearts due to its severe heat. Even though the heat is protected in the chest by various layers. Can you imagine? We can feel heat. Go certain places, your body feels heat. But you don't feel the heat inside of your body. Your body regulates the temperature generally. Your heart doesn't overheat. Right? But this fire will be so hot, it will reach the hearts. It will burn everything, it will crush everything. The entire body will be crushed. And Until it will devour the heart Muhammad ibn Ka'b He said The fire will devour Every part of this body Until it reaches the heart And comes level to his throat Comes to the level of his throat And then it will return to his body What he means is Every part will be devoured And this person will still be alive Until it gets to his heart And to his throat Which then Everything is destroyed Then it goes back Then it goes back meaning the body comes back, the heart comes back and the fire returns back to the bottom or back to the, the rest of the body and it starts to crush away and burn away from the beginning, starting again, starting again. Right, so the body will be yani it'll be like a new creation again and the, the punishment starts from over. And this will be continuously happening. And that raging fire reaches the heart, crushes the heart, destroys the heart and then it starts over again, Allah uh, musta'an. Ibn Kathir mentions the statement from Thabit al-Bunani where he said, it will burn them all the way to their hearts while they are still alive. It will burn them all the way to their hearts while they are still alive. And then he said, indeed the torment will reach them. And then he cried. Subhanallah. And then Allah Azza wa Jal, he says, إِنَّهَا عَلَيْهِمْ muqsadah, It will be sealed over them. Muqsada means sealed or covering over them. The fire will be sealed over them and closed over them as a covering innaha mu'sada this fire will be covering over them like a cover like a seal over them there will be no escape as Allah says in surah sajda whenever they try to escape from it they will be forced back into it and will be told taste the fire's torment which you used to deny so there's no escape Every time they try to escape They'll be forced back in So this fire Allah in this ayah says It's a seal over them Covering them It closes them in And there's no way of getting out So every time they go to the exit As this ayah we mentioned surah sajda Every time they go Hoping to exit Hoping to leave They get sent back Subhanallah So they have this hope That builds up They're about to be about to get out of here, about to leave. Picture yourself in any evil place, any bad place, any place that makes you feel uneasy and you just want to get out. And as you're about to leave, that hope goes up and you feel good and you start to feel happy. And imagine you just get sent back all the time. Sent back all the time. This is like a punishment in and of itself. That they're about to leave, that hope is just about starting. But as they get to them, they get pushed back. They get shoved back. Thrown back. And this... Sending back part is like a punishment in and of itself. It destroys the person. It breaks them down And then they still have to experience the fire uh, and so forth Wallahu al-musta'an Every time they get sent back, it's like a relapse back to square one suffering a great setback Imagine the hopes and the, how it gets shattered Subhanallah Shaykh Abdul Thayyman mentioned and he said picture a person that's trapped in a burning burning vehicle with no way to get out can you imagine and this happens to people in a home in a vehicle they get trapped inside and it's, it's burning There's no way out and that's how they end up dying and what a, you know an evil way to go and a, or a, a And a, a harsh way to go may Allah protect us and that is a good ending But imagine Jahannam Imagine Jahannam the fire is 70 times worse That fire has been kindled for thousands of years It's burning continuously the punishments therein is nothing compared to the punishments of this dunya. And the person doesn't just die and that's it. His ruh is taken and it's, it's over. Every time he thinks he's about to, his body comes back. It's over and his body comes back. He thinks he's about to get out, he gets thrown back. Ya Rahman, Allah protect us. Then Allah says, "Fi عمد Mumaddadah. "Fi In the final ayah of the surah Allah says, tightly secured With long braces or pillars or columns. Amadin is pillars or columns. Right, which is mumadana means it's extended, it's long and so forth. So Ibn Kathir, he mentions that Atiyah Al-Awfi said pillars of iron. Right, there's pillars in Jahanam, pillars of iron. As Suddi said made of fire. Pillars that are made of fire. Al-Awfi from Ibn Abbas, he reported that Ibn Abbas said he will make them into pillars Stretched forth Meaning there will be columns over them And they will have chains on their necks And the gates of Jahannam will be shut upon them This is what Ibn Abbas said That he will make them into pillars Which is stretched forth Right And there will be columns over them Over these pillars or Over them themselves And they will have chains on their necks And the gates of hell will be shut over them Imam Ash-Inqiti he said It will be sealed with columns Meaning Jahannam Remember the previous ayah spoke about The fire that will be sealed over them Right This fire will be sealed with columns As the columns is what keeps it secure and and shut closed So there will be the the fire that seals over them and covers them And there will also be columns and pillars that, that keeps us in place Shut off Nothing can penetrate it There's no way out There's no way of getting through It's just there and he also gave another opinion, which he seems to prefer. He says, they will be entered into columns. Fee Amadin. Because the ayah says fee, which means inside. So they will be put inside of columns. That's like a pipe which is hollow inside. This is now different interpretation. To the first one, which is, the columns will be there to support, you know, the fire and so forth. It keeps it there in every part of the, the fire. Ibn Uthaymin also mentioned this. It's in every part. Yeah, and in every corner, you see these columns. There's no way out. You know, it's it's secured by these columns, these extended columns. But a different interpretation this Sheikh gives is, he says, they will be entered inside columns, which is hollow like a pipe. So they will be put inside. And this will then close down upon them and constrict over them. This is now within the fire, within the burning fire. As someone said, it's a column of fire, some columns of iron that will become extremely hot and so forth. And then he mentioned a verse in Surah Furqan where Allah says, وَإِذَا أُلْقُوا مِنْهَا مَكَانًا ضَيِّقًا مُقَرَّرِ When they are tossed into a narrow place inside hell مَكَانًا ضَيِّقًا So he uses this ayah as if he's relating the two saying this could be the the place that is ضَيِّق that is narrow and constricted chained together then they then and there they will cry out for instant destruction Ya Allah destroy us now just Finish us off because of the suffering that they are going through. Allah protect us. <laughs> Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah, he said, they will be punished with columns or pillars of fire. Ahmad, which ayah mentions, but only Allah knows how this punishment will take place. So we mentioned certain details. Ibn Abbas said this. Shinqiti said that. Ibn Huthayman said this. How the punishment will take place, Imam al-Tabari, his conclusion is, only Allah knows the exact detail. Because Allah never specifically mentioned it According to this Imam He says we know they will be punished with these columns of fire These pillars of fire But how it takes place only Allah knows Shinket's opinion is It's an opinion That will be put into these hollow pipes That will become constricted upon them As in he mentioned that ayah To sort of substantiate what he's saying but Only Allah ultimately knows How this will take place Subhanallah So this is the end of the surah and it's a scary surah. It's a surah that should instill fear within us. It's a surah that, that, that is used as a threat against us. Woe to all of these people. And wallahi, it's not just about recitation. Most of us, we know the surah by heart. We learn it from young. We memorize it. But the most important thing is that we understand the surah. We take great lesson from the surah. Where Allah says here, Way kulli humaza till lumaza. We should take heed of this and not be of the Humaza or the lumazah those fault-finding people, those people who are hypocritical of others, those people who backbite, those people who slander, those people who spread Namima Malicious gossip causing facade between people mischief between people causing issues spreading rumors and so forth All of these things mocking each other degrading each other maligning people defaming people Whether it's in front of them whether it's behind their backs Whether it's with your speech with your actions with your tongue with your eyes with your facial gestures All of this is haram. It should all be abstained from. Gathering wealth. Making this wealth our primary concern. Loving wealth so much that it's our main concern. And we become greedy. We don't give to others. We only hoard this money and our main concern, we keep on counting and counting and counting our money. وَعَدَّدَهُ Subhanallah. It's not going to give us immortality. Our wealth is not going to make us live any longer. Our wealth is not going to bring us happiness even. Our wealth is either for us or against us. The way we use our wealth can be for us, it can be a good thing for us, or it can become a sin upon us. And the reality is if we become like those people, that's the reality. We will be thrown into Al-Hutama, the crusher, which crushes every single thing that's thrown into it. Subhanallah And we spoke about the rest of the ayat Of what the reality is of al hutama This fire that seals over them That has been kindled For so many years And that is Supported with these pillars Or that they will be punished within these pillars Or by these pillars And only Allah knows how And so forth So we ask Allah SWT To protect us from these evil traits And these major characteristic flaws That He purifies our character Just like He purified our physical uh, structure Allah purify our character may he make a grant us from the character of Rasulullah may he protect us from the fire of Jahannam and from al hutama and may he grant us to be in the highest abodes of paradise with the messenger of Allah and the Sahaba and the Siddiqeen and the Shuhada and the Salihin and may he grant us a, a beneficial knowledge Amin Rabbil Alameen until next week bi ta'ala صلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك لا اله الا واتوب اليك